Rachel, what are you doing? I'm just finishing off my Lessons from Loss podcast. Who are you talking to this week? Caitlin Limmer. Who's she? She's someone who's facing fairly major health issues. In fact, very nearly lost her life. She is an absolute shining beacon of positivity and energy. That sounds really interesting. Does a porcupine feature this week? It doesn't, but I tell you what, Caitlin would love a porcupine. Well, let's have a listen, see what it's all about. Hello and welcome to the Lessons from Loss podcast in which we share our experiences of loss and most importantly, what we learn that now positively guides and defines our life today. Each episode, I speak with a different guest and I'd like to acknowledge the strength and courage in sharing these very personal stories and also the impact that they have on you, the listener. Please look after yourself as you listen. Today, I'm delighted to be chatting with the hugely inspirational Caitlin Limmer, who was given just 40 minutes to live in 2004 and now has to live with the knowledge that she is only ever just one blood test away from requiring a transplant. Caitlin has started a hugely thriving running community called the Bearcats. She's raised thousands of pounds for the MDS Patient Support Group and motivates and inspires people through her public speaking and coaching services. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you. Hello. Hello. So we first met in Malaga in December 2012 as we were waiting for the start of the Malaga Marathon and just mingling with all the Brits as as we do at the start of races. And I clearly remember you saying that this was going to be the last marathon that you were going to run. But at that point in time, you didn't allude why. So anyway, the race started, if you remember, and probably within half a mile, we just happened to fall into step, got chatting, and those 26.2 miles flew by as we exchanged our life stories. I, I remember it so vividly. And I just wondered if that would be a good place to start, that what was going on for you at that time that that was going to be your last marathon you were going to run? Well, I'd firstly like to say I'm glad they flew by for you, love. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, they did for me, actually. It was one one of my better marathons, I think. What was going through my mind on that day, during that weekend? Well, I can tell you, I had secretly gone to Spain. I had told my husband I'd gone to see my family out there. And actually, I'd gone to run the Malaga Marathon. And about a month or two months before, let's think it was December. So it was about, yeah, two months before, I had been told that um, I would be having a bone marrow transplant within six months to a year of of two months prior to this marathon and I remember thinking but 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 I've, I've got a marathon booked I've got a marathon booked and and it was all pretty scary at home um and I thought well I can't possibly tell my husband I'm going to go and run a marathon when we're just working out how a transplant's going to look um so I just won't tell him I won't tell him I'll just go and pretend I'm seeing granny um so I went and yeah 
there you were. And um, as you well know, I always call you my angel because I felt quite lonely on that day because only I knew that this was going to be the last one, or so I thought. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there was some excitement and uh, obviously poignancy about uh, this for me. And I, I can remember the photos of us there. And I, I was obviously, I was very happy and, and jolly because I always am anyway. But uh, I, I just knew the chances were, you know, I really had to to stop doing these marathons after this. Luckily, the story took a slightly different turn. But uh, yeah, at the time, it was going to be my last one. And I met you. <laughs> and I may have encouraged you to, to not, not give up on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, that wasn't your only brush with ill health. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that was um, uh, a, a year or so after. Um, so that was, I had been diagnosed at that point with a rare blood cancer, which I still have, obviously, called myelodysplastic syndrome, as you referred to earlier, MDS patient support group. And there's an amazing centre of excellence for that um, at King's Hospital in London. So that was the, the basically, it's a, a where your bone marrow starts packing up. And I remember them telling me age 31, 32, oh, you've got, you know, you've got the bone marrow of a, a 75, 80-year-old. Like, oh, great. <laughs> oh, well. Um, but yeah, that was the second, the second sort of big slap in the medical face, I suppose, because prior to that, I, during my, my second childbirth, um, possibly because all of this was going on underneath and we hadn't really had it diagnosed yet but I I burst six arteries during uh, childbirth um, I also had lots of other conditions going on during that time and I remember them saying to me at one of the appointments this could all go horribly wrong Caitlin but oh, we'll God. just wait and see <laughs> so they knew there was the potential for it to go horribly wrong it just went horribly horribly wrong um, and, and I think looking back on it, I mean, I don't know this for sure. I think that's probably because, because I had MDS as well. And I have very low platelets, low neutrophils, lots of other weird blood disorders. So that was the story, um, story. It wasn't a story. It was part of my life where, yes, I was given 40 minutes to live. Um, I was operated on four times after childbirth and the lady uh, who is, again, she's about the only other person I refer to as my angel because she saved my life. She, um, an amazing, amazing woman at West Middlesex Hospital. And she, she put her hands up and said to my husband, you know what, I can't do any more. And I'm not sure who can. <laughs> um, and she said, there are two people in the country that might be able to save her life, um, one of whom is in Scotland and one of whom is on the other side of London. And this actually is very much part of the talk I give um, these days. Um, and of course, Scotland was 
miles too far away because mm-hmm. there was only 40 minutes left we were playing with. Um, so I was hurled into an ambulance and, um, and they told my husband to follow behind the ambulance and they told him, if the ambulance stops, don't get out, you know, because we'll be trying to keep her alive. Um, and to cut a long story short, I was given pioneering new surgery at the Hammersmith Hospital. And, um, and this very nice man said to me the next, well, I think it was probably about 36 hours later, he sort of stood in front of my face and crossed his fingers and said, we'll just have to wait and see. And I remember thinking, you've got your fingers crossed. That, that's my life in your very casually crossed fingers. Um, but luckily, luckily, uh, his, his new procedures, which are now found in the medical books, saved my life. So I was, I was glued back together. They literally used new surgery um, and they glued lots of big main arteries back together. And they just went, well, let's see. It's all new to us. Wow. <laughs> and it worked and it worked. But I lost three stone in the process um, and had to sleep on our floor downstairs. I uh, had to give up my daughter for three weeks um, because I couldn't look after her. Uh, she had to go away from home, which is pretty horrific when you've just given birth to oh an, goodness, a, yeah, another angel of, of, yeah. the, of the yeah. surgery and everything that had happened. Yeah. But you know what? I was so ill that um, even though it was horrific giving my daughter away, to, um, well, I actually gave her away to my sister-in-law to care for. Um, and, you know, she couldn't have been a better person to give her to. And to give your two, two and a half week old baby to someone else to look after, you know, it's uh, <laughs> quite a thing. It's not yes. something everyone does. Here we are, no. I have my daughter. Please look after her <laughs> because I can't, you know. Oh, my goodness, I can't. So. You know, I, I just want to ask, how, how was that? impacted I suppose your parenting and Mm. your relationship with her Uh, I don't know um it's from the moment she was born the times that I did have with her I I really think she was kind of sent from somewhere upstairs she 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 uh she slept and ate for three months solid um and it took me about six months to get better. So she was no trouble. And actually, she never has been ever since. And she is she is a, a joy along with my son, you know. So it's, yeah, it hasn't impacted us in any way. She, she knows, <laughs> poor love, she knows what trauma her arrival caused. But of course, it was nothing to do with her, really. You know, it's my funny old body. But, uh, you know. I have a, a really close and beautiful relationship with her. Yes. Yeah. And as you say, you have with both, both yeah. of your kids, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're lucky. Yeah. Eh? yeah. They're lucky to have you and you're lucky to have them. <laughs> yeah. So where are you now sort of health wise? Mm. Well, um, I am in a, a group of people so I'm told, that hasn't done 
what they were supposed to do. I was not transplanted. I, I, I remember resisting uh, in some of these appointments saying, but I'm not ill enough yet. Yeah. Yeah. I might look like a 70-year-old and, and someone that is very ill on paper, but look at me, listen to me. You know, and it is a very new disease. It's only, I think, oh, I don't know, we could be in year 30 or something like that if it's, it's knowledge. I think that's right. Oh, forgive me if I've got that terribly wrong. But it is rather new. So I'm in a very small category of people that hasn't as yet gone to transplant, which is, you know, uh, technically it's the, I, I think I'm right in saying it's the only real cure. Um, mm. And and, and that's technically, been 10 years now, hasn't it? Yeah. And technically, I will be going there. Um, you know, it's a watch and wait situation. It's it's not if, it's when. Um, but I don't know if it's my lifestyle or, you know, dare I say it, my mental attitude. Oh, is it, you know, can we say one's positive mental attitude can overcome this kind of thing? I have no idea. But I know that I haven't had a transplant and I know also that my brother isn't a match. <laughs> so I should be looking out for a match. <laughs> uh, I hope not for a few years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? It's like you sort of hesitated to say, is that my positive mental attitude that's, mm. that's held that at bay? But I think there's a lot. There's a lot in it because there, there might have been a lot of other people having been told that news responded with a well that's it my life is over mm. yeah whereas your response to it was very different yeah and I I don't know I I can't believe that other people would succumb but I, of course they would and I, I don't know what it is I, I suppose I was young I had young children um but I, I think it's something in me. I think I've always been uh, driven in some way. But I was, I, I, I say, it, you know, and you'll hear many people say who've been ill in their lives. It was a definite gift to me, this. Mm. I wasn't not living my life before this, but I am categorically going to live my life trying to achieve the things I want to achieve as a result of this and yes I still get scared yes I still feel the fear venturing into every new role or job I put myself into but I know that I have to give it a go because what if the next blood test says all right it's time now so it's it's amazing, really. You know, I get that fear and discomfort of ah, new challenges and new oh, getting doing uncomfortable things. But then I still have that big old ginger bird on my shoulder saying, yeah, but you could be getting a transplant soon, love. Yeah. You know, I've still got yeah. the letters in my knicker drawer upstairs that I wrote to my children when they said you will be away from your children for a good six weeks while you are transplanted 
and I wrote letters to them and I, you know they and they were so young when I wrote these letters and I, I remember sitting at this desk writing them crying my eyes out but saying you know I'm so sorry mommy can't you know you won't be able to see your mummy for this long and um you know but it's it it undoubtedly has allowed me to live my life a little bit harder than mm. I would have done before I think. Yeah. Do you think that perhaps your near-death experience in 2004 mm. has helped in some way with how you deal with the MDS? Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. I mean, that was so extreme. It was so horrendous. Um, there were so many horrendous moments in that. There were so many amazing moments in that the care that I was given by a lot of the people in the hospital was fantastic. There was some horrendous care that I will never forget as well. And that taught me that I will never be like that person. Um, I think I went through so much pain then and so much fear. I didn't know during that illness um, for maybe a, a month or two afterwards that I, I had just 40 minutes left. I, I had no idea. I was unconscious. And I remember my husband crossing our little sitting room and I was still sleeping on a mattress downstairs because I couldn't do stairs because I was so thin and weak. And he, with a throwaway comment, bless him, said, oh, yeah, did I tell you? They said you had 40 minutes to live then. And I was like, I remember nearly like I, I just think my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> what? Really? I, I didn't know it was that bad. <laughs> yeah. But thank goodness I didn't, you know. But um, so, yeah, maybe it does. I'm not, you know, I'm not entirely frightened of, you know, what might come next um, because, you know, I've developed a lot of strengths and resiliences, if that's a word it isn't, I don't think. But I, so I, I'm kind of ready for the battle when it comes, <laughs> if it comes. Maybe it won't. Maybe something else will come first. Maybe I'll get run over by a bull at the next marath marathon in Malaga. <laughs> <laughs> I love a bull. <laughs> I'll have to make sure I come with you then to, uh, yeah. to keep that All bull right. away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that sort of, that, 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 it kind of encapsulates how I feel about life though, you know. Run, run, come on, feel that high, live, go fast, you know. But I mean, you know, I don't I don't go that fast. I go sensibly fast and yeah. I'm a go-getter. I want, you know, the, all the things I want to achieve are not are not really for me. I want to, you know, my message and my main lesson from all of this, and I use this sentence in my talk, I say I want to wake you up, uh, what do I say, from your sloth-like sonambulance that you might be in. You know, you're sleepwalking. Don't sleepwalk through life, please. You know, that is my message. Don't wait until those final 40 minutes are given to you. You know, you might not get that new, wonderful medical surgery that I got. They might not be able to do it for you. 
So come on, come on, wake up. What a what a message to uh, to be sharing out. So in terms of because you you know you you said and and I sort of fully believe knowing you that actually you weren't necessarily asleep before the mm. MDS stuff. You know you mm. was you were living life and you you had mm. your plans. But I do always remember that one of the things that you were telling me about on that run was that you your dream was to start up a, a running club. And maybe, just maybe, put on a running race yourself. Mm-hmm. And I would say probably within that first year of knowing you then, I think the Bearcats had probably just formed, hadn't they? They were, um, they were in 2012, we officially opened the Bearcat Running Club. That's right, yeah. isn't it? Yes, because we're going yeah, to be 10 so we next met year. in December, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it was I've forgotten that. Wow. And the following year, you put on your first 10K. Oh, oh yes. And didn't you open it? I did. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. You had me as special guest. I felt so honoured. Wow. I remember. My goodness. The old grey matter has put that bit back. Gosh, yeah, that's right. I've got photos of you. Oh, I was so proud of you. I was like, oh, my friend, she's amazing, this woman. Come on, be inspired by her. Oh. Yeah. So I opened a running club. I you opened did. a running club. So, I mean, as you do. <laughs> yeah, as you do. And, you know, how many people do you have run with you? I mean, it's, well, you, it's, I, it's I a fantastic community, isn't it? It, it's a wonderful community. It's, um, you know, honestly, in my in my naivety, um, you know, I I'm in an area where there are two phenomenal running clubs and I love the people in both of them. And, you know, Park Run was founded about two miles away from where we are. We have the most amazing running community where I live. And I set up a running club here. What? <laughs> if I'd stopped and thought about that for too long, I, I definitely wouldn't have done it. But again, just as well you I, didn't then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just remember thinking, you know what? If it goes wrong, it doesn't matter because you're probably going to be having a transplant soon, love. So, you know, honestly, it I it didn't matter. Um, and I actually remember saying to someone, I opened the running club in uh, on uh, I think it was September the nineteenth, and um, and. And I remember having this appointment. So maybe the running club had just opened. And I remember saying to someone, my God, I'm going to have to go away and leave it for six weeks to get this transplant. Can I borrow your laptop? You know, because I didn't have a laptop at the time. And, oh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, my my running club is, A, I hate the words running club. They they still fill me with horror and fear and intimidation. But uh, I my running club is um, a beautiful community of people. And, uh, you know, I try and try and teach my lessons of life through the running, but also through the integration of all different types of people. You know, no one is better. No one is worse. If you're faster, it doesn't make you brilliant. It just makes you on a different trajectory. Um, and you, you, you over there who's really fast, come and teach this person here that's just starting. So we'll, you know, I try and, I try and mix when we can, or just try and support them all on their different journeys. Um, but everyone is absolutely equally important. Um, 
I know not everyone will share my view on that, um, but I really feel, you know, no one just because of speed or job or where we live. I mean, we, we live in a lovely area, you know, but it's really important that anyone can come walking through our door, anyone. Um, and they have an equal place and they have an equal lesson to teach all of us. Yeah. And that is what I want. Every person that comes through my running club doors, which is based at a pub, conveniently, not that I drink, really, <laughs> but I love I love a pub. Um, you know, everyone has a place in that community and it's down to me and my wonderful leaders to extract that person's message out of them and to spread it spread it like jam through our community yeah and so clearly happening you know I see your posts on social media and I see the responses from the people within your community um and you've you've all you've all got together haven't you to you know it's not just about the running it's community is such a big thing because you all got together to help save the stables uh we did we yeah we played a small part in that we played a small part in that but it is you know park lane stables is a couple of miles away you know and that that is just one example of you know us just trying to sort of it's that that pebble in a pond effect yes Mm -hmm. we're we're runners in a pub but we are people in the community and we all have, you know, as I say, something to give each other, something to teach each other. If we can put some runs on and put some PR out there saying, come on, let's help these amazing stables. And, and you know, we've had, you know, one of the things we did ages ago was I said, come on, let's go and do some riding lessons at the stables. And, you know, but that isn't it's about being a community it's about saying to people look we run but if you want to come and do this on Saturday come and you know let's go and get on a horse together let's go paddleboarding together let's have a clothes swap together because it's it all helps the running and it all helps our mental health and the community to be richer um, and that is, you know, I, community, uh, I'm in the middle of a t- uh, writing a talk on community at the moment. And, you know, it makes me laugh because community is one of the dullest words yeah. you will ever hear, I think. I think of grey plastic chairs, mm. lukewarm tea in urns, And uh, I was looking up what other countries <laughs> call uh, yeah, what the word is. And I think it's. You know, in, oh, somewhere that's called scupnochi or, you know, it's all these wonderful whizzy bangy words. And in England, it's community. But I, I like to jazz up, pimp my community. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they'll like that, but there we go. I am the community pimp. Oh, dear. Where's this going? <laughs> edit button. Edit button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh it's amazing all the things that you've um that you've achieved and yeah and that's one of the things that I that I I suppose I love about you is that it's it's that it you know we've all got something to give mm. from wherever whatever place we come from mm. 
however it, it, you perhaps view yourself in the I don't you know in the in the scale of humanity you know we all have something to give we all have something to teach and we all have something to learn from mm. those other people in this little talk I gave one of the sections is all about this and I say I truly believe that every single person you meet has something to teach us now, whether we listen to that and whether we take that on board, it's down to us. But I really encourage people because I see it over and over again. Um, and I hear it. I heard it last weekend from two of my runners. People are judged by how they look, whether it's weight, whether it's where they come from, whether it's whatever. And it pains me. It really, I, I don't know, it annoys me that it hurts me so much for these people. people. You know, just some people are continuously judged in life. And if the people that were judging them just stopped for a second and listened to the mm. amazing story. This reminds me of a conversation I was having last night. And it was about it was particularly about menopausal women actually and how they start to feel quite invisible you know as we change as our hair color changes or we maybe put on weight or, or whatever people might start treating you differently or do not might I, you know, it's seen. I remember my husband saying this to me many years ago, and he's now 70. And I remember him saying, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I'm becoming invisible. You know, and, and it's so important that we remember, you know, to not, to not do that judgment thing. Mm. Stop doing it. You are the one that misses out, you know. But I could go on about that for yeah. days and hours, and I have done before. It really, it really matters to me, and it hurts me when people are not noticed and yes. understood. I, I feel, having reached that age myself now, that, and maybe it's just the company that I choose to keep, that it feels like the tide is turning a little bit now. Mm. So... I see certainly within my circle of friends that actually the menopause is a time to really actually go out in the world and say, hey, look at me. I'm mm. still here. Look what I've gone through to get mm. here. Look what I still yeah. have to offer. Absolutely. Yeah. So it does and feel that, that perhaps the tide is, is turning a little bit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, all over social media now menopause is every other post which is fantastic and i mean something fantastic happened to me earlier this year which kind of falls under this umbrella and uh, i'm going to show off now i apologize <laughs> but i was made an ambassador for a, a really gorgeous sporting brand lululemon sorry you can edit it out if you want yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i'll keep it in <laughs> but, you know what i i was 50 this year and and they asked the 50-year-olds to be an ambassador for their brand. And, you know, I'm not an Olympian. 
I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not a, a fantastic sportswoman. I'm a fantastic motivator, she says. God. Yeah. And she's only just getting comfortable saying that kind of thing. But, <laughs> you know, I was, I keep saying to them, thank you for allowing someone 50 to have this honor because it is an honor mm. and and it and it's I know I've heard people in my community go up to them and say it's really great that you've got her doing this because it shouldn't always be the younger people not that there's anything wrong with younger brilliant people of course but us us uh, uh, you know uh, slightly older people have a lot to give yeah you know? And hearing myself say these words, you know, and believing it now, that's the wonderful thing about the menopause. I, you know, standing in your own light. That's what someone said to me. Someone said, you know, you've always been standing on the edge of your light, Kaylin, and you've gone right into it now. And I'm like, I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay. Oh, powerful force. Oh, on a good crikey, when you think how how much you've achieved in those 10 years since we first met you know when when you were waiting for that Mm. for that um transplant and thinking that you know so much was you know wasn't going to be available to you how much you've achieved in that time yeah I'm really excited for you to see what the next decade is going to bring. <laughs> I, I think, you know, it, I always thought, I've always sort of lived thinking, well, I don't know when this is going to stop, so I've got to, to keep going and I've got to keep trying. Um, and I still feel like that. You know, I have to, you know, life life goes on and, you know, I sometimes forget about my MDS bit and it sits in the background and then I get moments of, oh, but just be careful, you know, don't forget. And and it drives me forwards again. Um, and it, it, I, But that's the whole, you know, my whole message really for this today. And, you know, as I said to you at the start, I haven't prepared anything to say. I've just come to tell you my story. But my learnings from nearly losing my life are very simple. Just be brave. Live your life how you want to live it. And, you know, it's that classic thing, you know, this ain't a dress rehearsal. Please, come on, go for it. Don't don't sit back and just let it pass you by. I see that sometimes and I, I, I want to help people um, just, you know, get up off that comfy chair of life and, and get on that. I don't know, whatever they're called, those fast-moving floors at the airport. (laughs) You know, just come on, come on, get on that treadmill of life. It's and put it on a really fast speed. Yes, not just a jogging along. (laughs) No, no, whop it up. And if you fall flat in your face, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, laugh yourself up. get on with it again Mm. wow I'm not really sure quite how to how to top that I think I have one final question to ask you Mm. what are you most grateful for in life oh um most grateful for well of course we have to say our families and our children 
if we take that as as red, um, I uh, and I'm going to put the health obviously in that category as well. Other than those two things, of course, my community. They are incredible, um, you know. That, and I think you know during COVID, of course. Oh, losing them all, us all being sat in our little homes. And, you know, I wanted to, I didn't know what to do. How do I connect with all these people? And and so I turned into a, as I said to you at the beginning of this, I turned myself into a DJ, a running DJ. And uh, and that was scary and embarrassing. And, <laughs> and I wasn't very good at it at the start. But it allowed me to keep connected with these people. So... That is what matters to me. I think I, I often say I'm um, Imelda Marcos collected shoes. I collect people. That's, you know, people are everything, everything. Mm. You know, no, nothing else matters. Yeah, we need to keep warm and have food. But it's, you know, someone, seeing someone in your day can change your day. Helping someone can change your day. Caring for someone can change your day. People are everything. I live my life in a way that if it all stopped tomorrow, that would be okay. I've done enough. And I, and I always have this vision of my children standing up in a pulpit <laughs> at my funeral saying, it's fine. Look, she did everything she wanted to do. It's fine. You know, whatever age that, that time might be. But that is how I live my life. If it all stops tomorrow, I've gone for everything I want to go for so far. I'm sure there are a few more things I can find. But um, I'm, I'm okay with when it stops. That's yeah. quite a good place to be in life, I think. That's an incredible place to be in. Mm. Incredible. Mm. That's really inspirational to, to hear you say that. If we can all work towards being at that place mm. where actually, you know, if, it all, if it all finishes tomorrow, it's fine because I've mm. done everything. I've, I've given as much as I could give. Mm. I've done as much as I could do. I've loved as much as I could love. It's mm. mm. all we can, any of us can ask for within life, really. I think I'm not sure that everyone could say that because I think a lot of people would go, I wish I had. I could have done. Why didn't I? You know, I mean, yes, of course there are other things I want to do I want to travel more whatever you know but I'm absolutely thrilled with where I'm at now and what I've achieved and uh, you know for me it's not you know it's not millions of pounds or you know it, it's my own personal fulfillment which is other people's fulfillment that 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 is what that is my millions I feel so uplifted from having <laughs> had this time to, to oh, chat and to catch up with you it's lovely oh caitlin i could talk to you for days and listen to your wisdom you have no idea how much you lifted my spirits that day we did the recording thank you so much and i'm sh absolutely sure 
that it will lift spirits, motivate and inspire my listeners too. I'd also like to thank, of course, all my supporters that enabled me to make this podcast happen. Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music. And of course, thank you to you, the listener, for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Lessons from Loss. Thank you.